Hello everyone, this is Father Brett Brannon here at the Pontifical College Josephinum. This is the fourth conference in our uh, virtual retreat from the uh, Sisters Servants Casa Maria Retreat Center in Birmingham, Alabama. I am recording here in, at the seminary in Columbus, Ohio, and this is the last conference of our vocation retreat for men discerning if they should go to the seminary if they should become priests. So we begin uh, once again with that great prayer that I recommend to you, the prayer of abandonment by Blessed Charles de Foucault. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, in, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve, and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So in this conference today, we're going to talk a little bit about some more practical things that we can be doing, the things that we need to do to continue the discernment of our vocation. And one of the first things is that you need to be in touch with your vocation director. No matter what stage you're in, even if you're just starting to think about it, uh, just need to send an email to your vocation director of your respective diocese and just tell them, I'm thinking about it, I need good information, please invite me to the vocation retreats, the Quo Vadis days, whatever uh, Operation Andrews, whatever the diocese offers, uh, it's very important to get to know other young men who are discerning. Melchizedek Project or other kind of discernment groups are very, very helpful. Just to realize I'm not the only one out here thinking about becoming a priest and also to be able to talk to priests and other young men who are discerning. I think that's very important. Remember that seeds have to be sown, but those seeds also have to be nourished. Can you remember the time when you first, the very first time you ever thought about being a priest? A seed was planted that day. And maybe it was just a great sermon, you were at mass, maybe it was confession, maybe it was just in prayer in the church or in your room or reading a vocation story, some information about priesthood. But that seed has to be nourished or it will die. And I always like to talk about the four eyes, I as in Isaac, the four eyes of vocation discernment. And they are inspiration, invitation, information, and intimacy with the Lord Jesus. And the S stands for service. So if you think about the four eyes, there's an apostrophe S at the end. The S stands 
for service. Say it again. Inspiration, invitation, information, and intimacy with the Lord Jesus. Prayer. And the S stands for service. So that first time you thought about becoming a priest, most often you were inspired in some way. Inspire comes from that word, which means the Holy Spirit breathes into us. Something happened. You saw something. You heard something. And you were inspired to move in the direction or to look in the direction of priesthood. That always has to be the first step. Okay? Secondly, it may just be the way your parish priest celebrates Mass that inspired you. Wow, I could do that. I could be the one literally offering the sacrifice of Christ. The second thing that has to happen is invitation. Someone, another person, and it's usually a priest, has to simply look at you and say, I think you'd be a good priest. Please pray about it. I want to invite you to seriously discern if God wants you to become a priest. Now, I said it might come from the holy women of Jerusalem, the sweet ladies that come in every time the church door opens. Uh, it may come from your parents. It may come from a book. But today it's coming from me, officially and formally, as a priest of the Catholic Church and as a spiritual director of a seminary, I am formally and officially inviting you to consider becoming a priest. Number three is information. You heard me say in the, one of the other conferences, God can't drive a parked car, move, which means you need to be gathering information. You can't make a good decision without good information. So you need to be reading books. You need to read your diocesan website. You need to learn where your men go to the seminary in your diocese. Uh, and you need to learn what do I do next, which is what this conference is about. So we have to gather information that nourishes our discernment. There's a lot of um, fallacies out there, uh, bad information. So bad information or no information will lead to a bad discernment, okay? And finally, number four, intimacy with the Lord Jesus. That's back to St. Mother Teresa's three steps in the spiritual life. Loving trust, total surrender, joy. Loving trust in Jesus is only going to happen because you know Him. There's intimacy between you. He already knows you, and now you have to come to know Him. And then you come to love Him, and you come to trust Him, because it takes a lot of trust to discern if you should become a priest, and a lot of trust to go through the seminary as well. And so that intimacy is about prayer in silence before the Blessed Sacrament, certainly at times. Let God start your heart surgery now. It has to. And that heart surgery takes many years. He's stretching your heart, filling you with more of Himself. You become more in love with Him. I remember a seminarian saying, Father, I don't want the vocation director sending me information. and I don't want anybody to know that, um, that you know, I'm thinking about becoming a priest because this could have a, a adverse effects to my love life. And, of course, he was talking about his girlfriends and, you know, girls that he was interested in dating. And I said to him, discerning priesthood is not going to have an adverse effect on your love life. It may have an adverse effect on going out with girls on dates. But the first thing you need to know is nobody loves you like Jesus. Nobody comes close. He loves you a million times more 
and your mom or your dad, the person you think loves you the most, he loves you a million times more than that. Discerning priesthood, spending time in prayer, will positively affect your love life. St. Teresa of Avila said, if God ever deigns to impress his love on our hearts, all will become easy, we'll be filled with joy, and we will accomplish great things with little effort. Learning and believing in God's infinite, unconditional love is critical, whether you're called to be a priest or not, critical to trusting him, critical to answering his call. And number, and then the S, as I said, stands for service. You, have, you will find your vocation by serving others. This is what Jesus teaches us. We have to live our life in the dimension of gifts, says St. John Paul II. And so if you're not serving, you're not going to find your vocation. You're not going to hear God's call. He's not going to answer. So find a way to serve others in the name of Jesus. Sometimes people will say, well, Father, I've been asking God for, you know, uh, three months, tell me, do you want me to go to the seminary? Do you want me to become a priest? Why won't God answer me? He's waiting on you. If you're not praying and you're not serving others, you're not ready to hear what God wants to tell you. You can't hear it because the eyes and the ears of your heart have not been opened and that happens through prayer and suffering. That's how the eyes and ears of our hearts are open. That's how we see God and hear His voice. Not through these eyes and ears. Through the eyes and the ears of our hearts. There's two kinds. We always say there are two kinds of, of um, men that are going to the seminary. Sometimes can fall in between two extremes. There's jumpers and there's fence sitters. Father Scanlon at the Franciscan University used to always talk about this. And a jumper is someone who goes to one retreat, reads one book, has one positive experience about priesthood, and he goes to the vocation director and the bishop, I'm ready to go to the seminary right now. You're not ready. He's a jumper. He's jumping very quick. And our experience shows that men who jump quickly into seminary jump quickly out of seminary because they didn't do a diligent, careful discernment. That requires time, lots of prayer, talking to a spiritual director, vocation director, and, and just maturing. So you don't want to be a jumper. That's on one extreme. But on the other hand, you don't want to be a fence sitter either, do you? That's the man who's 60 years old, about like me, 60 years old, and he's saying, oh, I wonder if God wants me to be a priest. I've been thinking about it since I was eight years old. You know, maybe one day God will answer. This is a fence sitter. You know, Father Fasana used to always say, vocation is like fruit on the tree. If you pick it too soon, it's not ready. But if it stays on too long, it rots. Timing is very important. When you pick a fruit, when it's perfectly ripe, it does no damage to the fruit or to the tree. It picks easily and it picks peacefully. Sometimes when new converts, people that convert to the Catholic faith, and we're so they become some of our greatest Catholics, we love having them, Right? But sometimes new convic, uh, converts in their fervor say, Oh, I want to go to the seminary. I'm going to be a priest. I'm so excited about the Catholic faith and the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Now, many converts do become priests, and it's wonderful. They make wonderful priests. But we have an expression, and that is we want you to breathe Catholic air for a while before you breathe seminary air. 
Are you with me? We want this man to join the Catholic Church, receive the sacraments of initiation, and then be a Catholic for a year or two, live through the seasons of the church, Lent, right? Holy Week, Easter, Advent, Christmas, live through the, the, the liturgical year, breathe Catholic air for a while, and then you'll know whether you should also be breathing seminary air. We ask our men when they're in the seminary, especially by the time they get to first theology, second theology, certainly, that they want you to have moral certainty that you're called to be a priest. We don't want a man in, in second, third, or fourth theology still saying, I wonder if I should be a priest. I did tell you that going to the seminary is part of discernment. And that's why we have two years of pre-theology or four years of college seminary. Those are years where we're really discerning as we gather a lot more information. Moral certainty falls between the two poles of absolute certainty and probability. We never know for certain that this is what God wants, but we have all the signs. People have told us we seem to have the qualities, the intelligence, the human skills, the faith, the prayer life, all of those things being equal, the desire to become a priest is present, then you're moving towards moral certainty and you're peaceful about celibacy, about living your life as a priest and that you can see yourself joyful and happy. And so that's what we want. Most men don't have moral certainty when they first go to the seminary. They, they have a lot of the signs and they think they, they can't discern anymore until they go. I, I call that discernment shift from I've got to go, at least give it a try. As I mentioned, the first conference, I think, some men are called to go to the seminary who are not called to become priests. God may have another plan for you, but he wants you in the seminary so he can form you. I have to tell you something, that seminary life today, the seminary formation in our diocesan seminaries is, I believe, the best that it's ever been in the 2,000-year history of the Catholic Church. Seminaries today are phenomenal places. The care and the formation and the education we give these men, it's not just academic. Oh yes, you learn your philosophy and your theology, but it's spiritual. You meet with the spiritual director every two weeks. You have a formation advisor. We teach you your human skills. We work on your table manners, your grammar, dress, everything that makes you a Catholic gentleman. And men who come to the seminary and go through this process for one or two years, it will transform your life. Even if God calls you out of the seminary later, you will be a man of great faith. I used to, when I work in the seminary, sometimes I shake my head and say, every Catholic should have to come to the seminary for at least two years, men and women, just to be formed into a true Catholic lady or Catholic gentleman. Of course, that's not possible, but um, that's how good seminary is today. So what a great time for you, if God is calling you to go to the seminary. They are such healthy, holy, wholesome places today. Remember that God often gives us information, like in the military, I like to say, on a need-to-know basis. Jesus, do you want me to become a priest? Do you want me to go to the seminary? And there's silence. God is really good at silence, isn't he? He calls you into that silence, too. Why won't God answer me, young men will say to me. And I'll say, because it's not time. You don't need to know that yet. What it's time for now is to pray. Continue to gather information. 
grow in holiness and virtue. Work on your first vocation, to be a saint, to be holy. And then the second vocation will become more and more clear as you look more and more through the eyes of Christ at everything, the whole world. This is how that seed of your vocation grows and matures, okay? It's not going to be ready to bear fruit for many years, but we have to water, manure, nourish, and then that little plant begins to grow. I know many, many men who had all the signs. Uh, they felt a call to become a priest, um, but they refused. They refused. They gave God an answer. The answer they gave was no. And what they refused to do was to move forward in discernment. They refused to pray. They refused to get, gather more information. And I'm, I'm convinced that some of those men, their vocation to the priesthood died on the vine. They were called, I believe, but they gave an answer, and the answer was no. And remember, it's not a, God doesn't force us. This is not like the Ten Commandments where we're required to obey. A vocation is an invitation. Doesn't mean you'll go to hell that if you say no, if you're called to be a priest, and you say no. That doesn't mean that you'll lose your salvation because God is asking you, He's inviting you. Now, wisdom says that if God invites us to do something, it's what's best for us, right? Faith tells us that. But we can say no if we're called to be a priest and go to another vocation and still attain, you know, some I always say that we can you know, likely not attain the same level of holiness or effectiveness for the kingdom. Why? Because a, a, a round peg fits best in a round hole. Square peg fits best in a square hole. So we want to seek, because the discernment of our vocation is the most important decision that we'll ever make in our life. You know, a vocation to the priesthood is such a mystery as I read vocation stories of the men that come to the seminary. I read their autobiographies, and oh my gosh, they're so interesting how God calls us from every imaginable state in life and beginning. Some had wonderful Catholic families. Some had no Catholics in their family. They were, grew, grew up in a very pagan environment. But God calls everybody the way He chooses. He can call anyone, anytime. What a mystery it is. Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to always say there are four ways to follow a vocation. I like it. Uh, what he says, he says you can follow like St. John the Apostle, like St. Peter the Apostle, like St. Mary Magdalene, or like Judas Iscariot. St. John was a young man. He met Jesus. He fell in love with Him. He was completely devoted. He stood beneath the cross with the Blessed Mother. He didn't run away. He was always there. He was just, you know, so, he was such great purity of heart. From the very beginning, he followed Jesus and never looked back. St. Peter was a different story. I, I, I think I would, would be more like St. Peter. St. Peter was full of passion. He would get angry. He would make mistakes. He denied Jesus. And yet, in the end, God called him and was patient with him. After the resurrection, Peter, you know, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He gave him an opportunity to make up for his denial, and he became our first pope. St. Mary Magdalene had a very difficult beginning. She was possessed by demons. And God, Jesus Christ finally found her. All that suffering, all her life. We all have our demons, whether they be real demons from the devil or whether they be our you know, demons that we fight with 
you know, metaphorically, Jesus threw out those demons, and she loved him so much and followed him, and of course the first one to whom Jesus appeared after the resurrection. And finally there was Judas. You know, I guess Judas loved Jesus in his own way, but he wanted it his own way. This is how we're going to save the world, Jesus. This is what you're going to do. And Jesus said, no, my father's plan is already set. And Judas refused. He said, no, I know, what is, I know better than the Son of God what is best for me. That's in essence what Judas said. So be careful about saying that or thinking it. I know better than the Son of God what is best for me? No. God knows what is best for us. Remember, vocation of the priesthood is a call from God. You don't choose it. It chooses you. God chooses you. Jesus calls us. He doesn't always choose the best. I can remember when I was you know, discerning, I remember looking around me and saying, gosh, you know, that young man over there, he's a lot better than I am. He would be a much better priest. And you know, Jesus, you might want to consider calling that fellow because he's really devout. And you know, the Lord told me one day in prayer, so to speak, I didn't hear a voice, but it was very clear, more clear than if it had been audible. He said to me, I don't need your advice on who to call to be a priest. I choose who I call and I'm calling you. And that's what the Lord said to me. What must we do to know the will of God? First of all, we have to be quiet. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters, the two demons are writing back and forth to each other about how to steal people away from God. The junior demon writes, well, I keep trying to come up with new, interesting, clever ways to tempt people away from God to our father, the devil. And the senior demon wrote back and he said, you don't need to come up with any clever ways. Our father, the devil, has already taught us the only thing that is necessary. Don't let people be silent. Don't let people be quiet. You see, God only speaks to a silent heart. And if all we ever do is play games on our, on our, on our smartphone or our computer, music, we're constantly listening to stimulation. We never unplug and sit in silence with God. We are not going to hear His voice. The Blessed Virgin Mary was not, you know, playing video games or watching YouTube videos when the angel Gabriel appeared to her and gave her her vocation. And when we pray, we should ask that question, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Be careful to identify your Isaac. What does that mean? Well, Abraham waited a long time for a son, didn't he? And finally God gave him what? Gave him Isaac. Isaac was his pride and joy. And when Isaac was what? Only about 12 years old. What did God say? I want you to take that one thing, that child that you have waited all this time for, and I want you to sacrifice him for me. Do you love me, God said, more than you love even your own son. And of course, unbelievable faith. Abraham, our father in faith, not understanding what God was doing, and yet loving trust, was willing to sacrifice the one thing that he really thought would make him happy, his whole future, his posterity. What is your Isaac? What is that one thing that you're so convinced will bring you happiness? Are you willing 
to lay it before the cross of Jesus and, and say, Jesus, I trust you. You're my treasure. You're the thing that's going to bring me happiness. St. Augustine said, and I quote, the pious soul prays not to inform God, but to be conformed to his will. God does not need to be informed, does he? He knows all things. But when we pray, it changes us. Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta used to say, I used, uh, once said, she said, I used to believe prayer changes things, but now I believe prayer changes people, and people change things. The purpose of prayer is not, doesn't change God. God is immutable. Prayer changes us. And that's why I say to young men, if you're not praying, you're not discerning. If you're not praying, the devil's having his way with you. He's pressing those buttons of fear. You're never going to be able to do it. You're not going to be happy. How are you going to be happy without a wife and children? He's pressing those buttons of fear. <coughs> and you're making your decisions based on fear. If you're not praying every day, you're not discerning. Well, Father, some would say, I'm thinking about it. Well, you might be stinking thinking. What does that mean? It means that your thinking is not true. It's based on fear because you're not praying. So you've got to put yourself in silence before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament and listen to Him. And then over time, another most very important thing you need, if you're serious about discerning, if you should become a priest, you need a spiritual director. I've already told you, Contact your vocation director, send him an email, tell him you're thinking about it. Ask him to recommend a vocation director who can walk with you, journey with you, and you need somebody to talk about these things regularly. What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart? What are you thinking or feeling when this idea of priesthood comes? Remember, I ran from it, I fought it, I was afraid, fear, I'm not going to be happy. I did not have a spiritual director. No one told me that. So I'm telling you, your vocation director will know the priest who have a special gift at walking with young men who are discerning. They're not going to put pressure on you to do anything except the will of God. So once again, the four eyes of vocation discernment. Inspiration, invitation, I'm inviting you. Information, you need to read books, go to websites, go to... Uh, uh, um, Another great, uh, great idea, talk to your vocation director, go and visit a seminary. The seminary that your diocese uses often will have come and see weekends where young men can go, spend a weekend or two or three days, attend some classes. You really see the rhythm. You pray with the men. You see the rhythm of seminary, and you will see how positive. I always say that the seminary is like a holy fraternity house. It's a wonderful place where young men come together to really grow in holiness and to discern together if, in fact, they are called to become priests. Remember, one of my candidates said, uh, Father, I don't really feel the call very strongly right now. I immediately said to him, are you praying? Are you praying every day? Tell me about your prayer life. How much are you praying? Well, he kind of shook his head. Oh, I say a couple Hail Marys in the morning, but uh, well, he wasn't spending any, any silent time with the Lord. And um, one of the... Um, seminarians that, that studied when I was um, a vocation director, he, he kept trying, he wouldn't go. He, he had all the signs. He, he felt an attraction, desire. He had all the gifts. 
you know, but he wouldn't go to the seminary. And finally, one day his job, his, in his job, they, they transferred him and he had to drive an hour to run. He was a manager of a fast food restaurant and he had to drive an hour to another store that they wanted him to manage to get up to speed. And so he made the decision that as he drove to work an hour every day and back, he was going to pray the rosary once on the way up, once on the way back. And within three months, he called me and said, I'm ready to fill out the application. I need to go to the seminary. I'm ready to go. I said, what changed? I've been waiting for three years. He said, Father, just what you said. I finally started to pray. So if you're not praying, you're not discerning. And Satan will do everything he can to keep you from spending time in silence. We talked about the scriptures yesterday being the voice of God, right? And so when we read sacred scripture, God is going to speak to us through them. But secondly, you need to just soberly and frankly look at the signs, right? We talked about signs in one of the conferences. I remember hearing a vocation director preach about this once. And he said, look, you see, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks, and then on further investigation, you find out it has webbed feet. Why do you keep asking if it is a duck? And of course, the answer is, because I don't want it to be a duck. I'm guilty of this. I didn't want it to be true that I was called to be a priest. And I had all the signs. And I kept saying, well, Lord, I said to my vocation writer, if God would just send me a clear sign, I would go to the seminary. He said to me, God has sent you every sign. You just don't want to see them. I really needed to hear that. And so that day I changed the way I was thinking. I stopped saying, Jesus, if you want me to be a priest, please send me a sign. And I began to say, okay, Jesus, You've given me all these signs and desires. I'm going to start moving forward to seminary. Please stop me if I'm wrong. And he never stopped me. All the doors opened, and I went to the seminary. So God can't drive a parked car, right? We have to continue to move forward. Spiritual director, vocation director, discernment groups, information. We talked about living a holy life. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta taught, said that the soul is like a window, right, through which we can see God. If, if we're living in sin, if we've got a lot of struggles with a lot of sin, that window is cloudy. You can't see through it. So we need to go to confession, and we need to be uh, praying, going to Mass, and, and trying to overcome our vices and grow in virtue. Most young men today who are discerning and who come to the seminary are struggling or have struggled with sexual impurity, especially pornography and masturbation, so prevalent today. It is uh, at the level of pandemic, of epidemic, and it's horrible. Every priest hears this more than anything else in confession. And of course, when a young man is struggling with masturbation, the sexual impurity, you know, he's going to confession, he's trying to overcome it. Father, why won't God help me. I don't want to commit this sin anymore. And of course, I always remind them, first of all, that um, God is trying to protect you from a greater sin. He could snap his fingers and you would never again commit the sin of impurity, but then you would probably be very proud of your purity 
which is a greater sin, and if you become a priest, short with others who are struggling. And so I talk about this with our seminarians as well. Chastity is a fruit that grows very, very slowly. I think the most slowly of all the virtues, chastity grows slowly. And sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back. And so in the seminaries today, almost every seminary I know has special programs specifically to help men work through memories of a history of pornography and masturbation, or if they're still struggling, um, to be able to help them. They don't have to, you don't have to be perfect in the area of, of chastity, right? Living uh, our lives in purity. Remember the difference between celibacy and chastity. Celibacy means I do not get married for the sake of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, all right? Jesus didn't get married, and he calls others to follow in his footsteps in that way. Every man is called to be a husband and father. I said that yesterday. We are fathers. I am a married man. And my, I stand in the place of Christ the bridegroom. I am the husband to the bride of Christ. And I got thousands of children, right? Do I baptize children in my parishes, etc., etc.? Every man is called to be a husband and father. But if you're a biological husband and father, then you will live chastity by having sexual intercourse only with your wife in complete fidelity and gift of self. As a priest, as a seminarian, right, or as a, uh, a young man right now, you are called to live the virtue of chastity. That means by not using, having uh, any type of sexual relations, right? And also by living purely with regard to self-abuse, etc., etc. This is something, our, our motto is always progress, not perfection. As long as you're working hard on this, you're moving, talk about it with your vocation director and your spiritual director. He's heard it a thousand times before. I promise you, he will help you. All right? If you bring it to the light. And here's the key. The devil always wants you to be th uh, to three, three things. He wants you isolated, all by yourself, door closed in your room, living in the dark, and making decisions based on fear. I hope no one ever finds out that I struggle with pornography and masturbation. Jesus wants you with people who love you and whom you love, right? Intimacy, a community of people, like a seminary, like a discernment group. He wants you bring it to the light. Yes, it's true. I have that struggle. Help me. And number three, no decisions based on fear. See, shame, which often is a uh, comes with sexual sins, I always say shame is the fear that someone will see, I'm not the man God made me to be. God made me to be, all of us, to be men of integrity, not disintegrated men, but men of integrity, of mind, heart, soul, and body, and to live purity and purity of heart. So what I want to say to you is don't be afraid. Bring that to the light, vocation director, spiritual director, and, and, and in community, and you have to be vulnerable. You have to be able to, in these safe kind of groups, you have to be able to say, this is an area I'm struggling in, and you will find that in bringing it to a community, bringing it to the light, and no fear that you will begin to make progress. But nonetheless, patience, kindness, gentleness, even faith, hope, and love 
in my experience, those virtues begin to bear fruit much more quickly than the virtue of chastity. It's one of those things that takes many, many years, and you just can't give up. Don't get discouraged. And it doesn't mean you cannot be a priest because you still struggle sometimes. What's essential is that you bring it all to the light, and your vocation director and spiritual director will work with you. All right? Remember, discernment is not a vocation. Discernment is not a, a vocation. It is not a negotiation. This is typical democratic thinking. We grew up in the United States. This is understandable. We're dealing with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the way, the truth, and the life. And so we want to hear His voice, and we want to say that prayer of abandonment. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. We're not negotiating. Jesus, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Don't play that game. We lay our lives before Jesus. Let your holy will be done in everything and everyone. Let your holy will be done. Okay? And remember that, be careful about, we need to look at our gifts, as I've, we talked about the other day. You know, do I have the gift of you know, in intellectual ability? Do I have the gift of human formation, faith, etc., to be a priest? We have to look at our gifts, but I always say, don't look too closely at your gifts. And what do I mean by that? You know, I remember a young man, uh, you know, bless his heart, he was, a, he was a talented young fella, you know, he was a handsome guy, and he was a great athlete, he was bright, top of his class, you know, and there was just one problem. This is what he said to me, he said, oh, Father, he said, I can't become a priest. He said, look at all these gifts I have. And I remember saying to him, it's true that you can't become a priest, but it's not because you have gifts. It's because you're proud. Who gave you those gifts? God. He can give you more. He can take away those gifts. Everything you are is God. You're nothing without Him. I'm nothing without Jesus. He's everything. I'm nothing. He can do everything. I can do nothing. He knows everything. I know nothing. He sees everything. I see nothing. He's worth everything. I'm worth nothing. Humilitas veritas. Humility is truth. And we have to have the humility to see that truth. Anything gifts that you have, they come from God. That doesn't keep us. It should make us want to do His holy will. Offer those gifts back to Him. The Greeks talk about something called the tragic exclusion. What does that mean? It means that when you choose one vocation, like priesthood, very tragically it means you have to exclude another, like holy marriage. And that's painful, isn't it? We say to our seminarians, we have to mourn marriage when we're called to celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. But remember, God is not asking us to give up intimacy. That would be cruel. He loves us infinitely. He would never do that. God gives us great intimacy in, pre in priesthood. It's a different kind of intimacy. We know so much about so many people who love us and we love them. Priests have great love from God and from His people. Well, when do you go? When should you start? St. Therese of Lisseur said to her novices, you know, to have beautiful and holy thoughts, to write books and live the lives of the saints, none of this counts so much as answering as soon as you are called. 
Say yes now to the Lord. Go and do what he asks you to do. He loves you, and I can promise you he's got a great plan for your life. So, St. Ignatius Loyola, we need to come to an end. Just a few more minutes. St. Ignatius Loyola says that we should try to enter discernment with a holy indifference. What does that mean? You know, that we go to God and we say, Lord, let your holy will be done. Whatever you want, I want. Because I believe you love me and you know what's best for me. So try to enter discernment with a holy indifference. And let God's will be done in your life. The Lord loves you. And I want you to never forget that. Loving trust, total surrender, joy. Remember, you are safe in His hands. He's not going to force you. He's very patient. Look how patient God was with me. I always say my bishop and vocation writer, they both deserve to go straight to heaven just for having to deal with me. Many times, as much as I struggled with my vocation. But I love being a priest. In the end, my advice to you is submit it to the church. Submit it to the church through your vocation director and then ultimately through your bishop. Let them look at your whole life. Let them tell you, yes, we agree, you should go give seminary a try, or maybe you shouldn't. It's not the right time. Submit it to the church through the person of your vocation director and your bishop. So these will be some of the things you can do. Um, certainly, uh, praying every day, three Hail Marys a day to know your vocation. There's all these little little things that we can do. Every day you need to think about priesthood until you've discerned and excluded it completely that it's not God's will. Every day, in some way, read something, do something, think about it, and ask the Lord Jesus, is this what you're calling me to do? This is the principle of exclusion, right? As you go through looking at the different vocations, which ones can you right now say, absolutely not called to that, convinced of it? So this is, these are the ones that are still in the running, so to speak. Going to visit a seminary, going to the ordinations of priests in your diocese, going to the chrism mass where you see all the priests of the diocese with the bishop. All of these are ways to really see what priesthood is like. But if you do nothing else, nothing else as a result of this retreat, except get a spiritual director, one that your vocation director recommends, and you start meeting with him regularly, then this retreat will have been a success. I hope this retreat has helped you to move forward in your discernment of priesthood. That was the objective, wasn't it? Just to learn a few things, and then let the Holy Spirit, as I'm asked you, please go in silence once this conference is over, Go do a holy hour in the church and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what He wants you to do next. I would like to close with um, a little exercise taught by a vocation director to me many years ago. And it's an exercise that I would use many times going into classrooms with you know Catholic school classrooms to talk to, to the kids. And after I told my vocation story and, you know, told them the basics of vocation, invited them to become priests, sisters, religious, etc., um, I would then say to them, you know what, I'm a vocation director, and I think there's probably four things that I should be looking for, four qualities 
in young people who might be called to be a priest or religious sister. Would you help me come up with those four? And you know how it is when you teach a class. You lead the children to the answers you want them to give. So the four that I would lead the children to, I would say, what about number one? Um, so how you know a practicing Catholic Christian? Don't you think that a man called to be a priest or a woman called to be a sister should first of all simply be a practicing Catholic Christian, someone who goes to Mass on Sunday, right? Goes to the sacraments, prays every day, has a real relationship with Jesus, and the children would nod their heads, yes, Father, that's a, a good thing. And then they would say, I would say number two, um, I think that they should have at least average intelligence, right? And because we have to be able to go to school and learn so that we can teach and preach to others. And the children would say, yes, Father, I agree that being uh, at least average intelligence, so I would write those two on the board. And then number three, I would say, what about someone who is psychologically and emotionally stable, or at least treatable, as I said the other day, right? And the children would laugh, and I would write that one on the board. And finally, number four, I would say, I think I'm looking for someone who loves God and trusts Him so much. They really want to do the will of God, no matter whatever, no matter what it is, even if it's to become a priest or religious. So someone who's willing to do the will of God. And I write, the kids would say, yes, Father. And I write that one on the board. And they're looking at those four things. And then I would say, okay, now you, this class, raise your hand. How many of you are practicing Catholic Christians? And all the children would raise their hands. And then I would say, how many of you have at least average intelligence? And they all would raise their hands. And then I would say, how many of you are psychologically and emotionally stable or at least treatable? And the children would raise their hands. And then I would say, and how many of you love God so much that you're willing to do His will, even if He's calling you to be a priest or a religious sister? And some of the hands went up. Many of the children began to look around at each other. Then maybe one more hand would go up. But without fail, half the class did not raise their hands. And I would say to them, thanks for your honesty, but if you did not raise your hand for question four, what you're saying is, I don't have the faith and trust right now to believe that if I do the will of God, I will be truly happy. And often some of the children will say, Father, ask us again, give us another chance. There's no vocation crisis. There's a faith crisis. A crisis of people who believe that Jesus Christ loves them so much and He's such and so in control that if we do His will, He will give us happiness. I want you to pray about that on this retreat today. Give Jesus your yes, that, that prayer of abandonment of Charles de Foucault. Give Jesus your yes. Happiness is to do the will of God. To do anything less than the will of God for your life will bore you. Thank you so much for your attention, for these four conferences, praying for you. Any way I can ever help you, I'll always be available to you. 
The Lord be with you and with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.